Hello and welcome. You're listening to the Music for Education and Wellbeing podcast. Join us each month to hear ideas, inspiration and practical advice from people making change through music. These conversations are hosted by me, Anita Holford of Music Education Works and Writing Services. So I'll be focusing in particular on breaking down barriers to music through communication and advocacy, but from quite a broad perspective. I really hope you'll enjoy them. And now on with the show. Hello, it's Anita here and welcome to this podcast. In this episode, I'm talking with Sam Chaplin, who is a community choir and music workshop leader, who's also a singer-songwriter, jazz trumpeter, pianist, composer and arranger. Why I thought you'd be particularly interested in Sam is that his music leading has centred around people experiencing challenges in their lives in one way or another. He leads the London branch of the choir with no name, which is for homeless or marginalised people. He's led choirs for women whose children have been taken into care, a choir for people affected by the Grenfell fire, a Maggie Centre choir for people affected by cancer. He's also tutor with the Orpheus Centre, leading their songwriting weeks in prisons and with disabled people. So welcome, Sam, and thanks very much. It's really great to have you here. Thanks, Anita. It's great to be here. I'm really looking forward to to hearing more about these wonderful choirs. So to start off with, I usually ask people how how and why did um, you end up where you are today? And in particular for you, working with choirs for people facing these challenges in their lives. What brought you here? Well, that's such a good question. I'm thinking about what got me into Um, more community music. I've always been involved in community music. Music's always been a very social part of my life. Growing up, I was, I sang in a a local church choir. All the choristers used to hang out together and they were kind of my mates. And so it was always a very community-based thing for me. Um, Even at school, doing music was kind of the, the place you lived. We had the a brilliant swing band, jazz band at school, which I absolutely adored being part of. And we used to do gigs and, you know, there's a great social life attached to being a musician. So it's always been a a community-based thing for me. The real turning point in my life that got me into this work was when I started going out with the woman who is now my wife. And uh, she had a yeah she um it was actually it's not mainly through her it was mainly through her flatmate who was really involved in this work already um I think it's probably the the second time I'd been round to their flat or her housemate said to me oh I'm I'm running this choir with some pensioners over in Bethnal Green and I need an accompanist this week Um, any chance you could come along and do it and me wanting to look good in front of my girlfriend uh said yeah sure I can do that (laughs) (laughs) um the choir leaders the the woman's called Isabel Adams Izzy Adams I don't know if you've had her on this podcast but she's absolutely she's a fantastic community music practitioner choir leader and uh I watched her and I just thought this is no ordinary choir leading you're getting this group of pensioners singing and and coming alive as they sing and I got hooked I thought this is amazing and so I, I did that a little bit. And then she started up a community choir around the Harrow Road area and said, would I come and be the accompanist? And I did that for two years. And as I did it, I had a little um, notebook 
in my hand and I was just writing down all the warm-ups she was doing and noticing what those warm-ups were doing in terms of doing all those things that that we know they do which sort of breaking down inhibitions opening people up teaching people basic vocal technique giving people hooks to be able to understand music without notation sort of what how to feel the stuff going up and down and starting and stopping and all of those things that you need to to make music without a musical education and it just seemed like she had so many brilliant tools and uh, by the end of two years I had a book full of really great tools and during that time I started to think uh, I really want to do this myself and I set up a community choir with my wife and we're both very different musicians he's much more from a, a classical background she's a baroque oboist oh. and i was coming from the the, the jazz world uh, yeah. as a jazz trumpeter so we both brought different flavors to the choir we had to kind of work out how to work together as well uh, working out our marriage in front of a 50-piece <laughs> choir was uh, was quite fun and oh, challenging so was, and amusing for them <laughs> yeah I bet that was so was that a local choir or was it a specific yeah kind of it was group in people it was in Hammersmith we were living around there at the time and um it was sort of based out of the church that we went to St Paul's Hammersmith and they kindly gave us the space and we did it as a, a community thing not a specifically a, a church choir so we had people from all around the community coming during that time I got a real passion for doing it and I started doing lots of other uh, kinds of work along those lines so nice. that's sort of my my story into it really through just watching um, some really great practitioners and that actually as just one other little uh, element to the the jigsaw for me was I took myself off to get some training in it so I, I spent a year working with Spitalfields Music and their great training scheme. Um, and there were five or six of us who were doing that that year. They've got a trainee music leader scheme and you get to work alongside great practitioners for a year. And I did a, I did all kinds of different community things. I worked in a, a library <laughs> um, with a parents and toddlers group, did a, a songwriting thing with people with special needs and... Uh, some primary school projects and things like that, just giving me experience of of music making across the community and how that can can work. And again, just working alongside really great practitioners. I think really that is what's been the greatest gift to me over the years is the people I've worked with. And I think this kind of work is caught rather than taught. So absolutely. Um, that's what if people who are listening want to get into uh, this kind of work I would say see if you can find some great practitioners see if you can work alongside them on a project offer yourself to them definitely yeah I mean community musicians do definitely their their CPD is based around um shadowing isn't it and uh, learning mm, from other practitioners absolutely. and sharing practice is that how you describe your practice do you do you say it's community music practice are you a member of sound sense and that type of thing are you part of that network or is it slightly different for you I'm not part of that network I would call it community music making going into mm. different community settings and creating music yeah mm, brilliant 
And so can you tell me a bit more about the choir with no name to start with and then the incredible women choir? They both sound really interesting. And I know that the choir with no name, I thought it was just based in London, but I see it's now in Brighton, in Birmingham, in Liverpool, and now there's one in Cardiff. Yeah, just, there's a, got a brand new baby choir in Cardiff. I'd, I need to check in with them because they literally just started up just before Christmas. Ah. Um, plans for other ones as well um, in the future. The, the Choir With No Name is a choir, is an organisation that sets up choirs to work specifically with people whose lives have been affected by homelessness. Um, the founder, Marie Benton, started, I think it was in 2008, and she was working with St Mungo's, uh, which is an organisation that helps people whose lives have been affected by homelessness, helping them, um, they run hostels and help people develop skills so that they can get turn their lives around in finding work, etc., etc. But she was also part of a um, fantastic gospel choir, and she sensed the sense of community and well-being that being part of a choir brought to her and she thought she'd bring that to her work and started to see the impact of that I think it's clear that homelessness is just such a complex issue and the answer is not always just providing people with homes but providing the support that addresses some of the underlying issues and choirs are such a great space for addressing some of those underlying issues primarily just if anybody listening is part of a community choir or any kind of choir you'll know the sense of community and connection that you find in that choir and bringing that um, to a space with people who have got this own particular life story is so powerful a lot of people come with their addiction issues and um, and finding fresh family and fresh connection is such an incredible and important way of getting the support you need to stay in recovery and stay on a positive trajectory in your life and in the choirs we we don't just sing we normally of an evening we would have a cup of tea and a biscuit for half an hour before we sing then we sing for about an hour and a half and during that time we have a group of volunteers cooking and preparing a meal for us we've we're just about to start that for the first time since the pandemic I think in February that's the plan but so that when we finish our choir rehearsal um, we come down to a, a room below where we've been singing and there are long tables full of piping hot food and we sit down together and eat together and chat and just have fun and sometimes share our own stories together um, but week in week out it creates that sense of family and stability and being known and connection that is such a powerful force in creating a positive change in people's lives yeah that's amazing that the the whole idea of communal eating after that experience of being in a choir that's that's just great and you're you're all there including you as the choir leader of the the participants and everybody around that absolutely and there's so many things that are connecting in that that obviously having a cup of tea and just saying hello and and uh, checking in and then singing the actual act of singing is is an incredibly connecting thing to do together we took part 
an an experiment uh, a suppose in symposium at the royal college of music a group of us from the choir went and, and stood on stage and started singing together and we were all wired up with um heartbeat monitors and as we sang there was a display on a a screen above us and you could see as we sang our heartbeats syncing up together oh I love it and yeah you know I don't quite know what that means except to say that that is a beautiful biological symbol yeah. of the kind of oneness and connection that you can feel when you get together with a group of people and you're all breathing at the same time ex and exhaling and singing at the same time making the same kind of music feeling the same emotions at the same time it's a very deeply bonding connecting experience that uh, i'm sure everybody listening to this has has experienced but bringing that into this context is creates a very deep connection which is i think a, a deeply healing thing to be part of yeah, absolutely. And and the healing kind of extends beyond that, doesn't it? Um, in terms of a lot of these people will have experienced trauma. Um, and so then their nervous systems are often sort of firing off. And, you know, it's difficult for, for people in sort of crisis situations to have those, those moments when they're calm. There's a lot of research around that. And a lot of people currently doing research about the impact of, of music and particularly singing on on trauma absolutely and one of the key elements of the warm-ups that we do um people people sometimes think of warm-ups as something that to, to as a quick warm-up and then we'll get on with the real business i actually think that the the warm-up part of the evening is some of the most important business to get done that that's where you can really engage with some of these things and we do quite a lot of war, um, breathing exercises which i think is very powerful in engaging with emotions and sense of calmness and well-being and you mentioned some other things that are addressed through through singing together um because you wrote a blog about it didn't you recently so you started off by talking about connection you talked about confidence which we're, we're sort of all aware of through through singing but actually it, it's sort of very deeply powerful in this situation you talked about congratulations and then you talked about catharsis so can you tell mm. me a little bit more about those things yeah, so those are my four C's yeah. <laughs> um, that, that are quite useful to, um, to remember. So that, first of all, we talked about connection quite a lot already, but that sense of confidence that comes from performing, it's just interesting to think that the, the, the feedback loop is very quick when you're a musician. You sing, you perform, and you get immediate applause from people. And that is, I think there's some... Um, something very deep to your psyche that sense of that big well done that you receive immediately um, mm. as soon as you've have done something even when you're playing jazz you get that within the piece of music um, people don't wait for the end it's, as soon as you finish your solo uh, whilst the other musicians are still playing you get um, the applause or even some whoops even as you're playing hopefully and then a lot of the people that in the choirs that I do a sense of perhaps they've never had the words well done said to them ever in their life and suddenly they've got an opportunity 
to sing. And when you sing, you very much make yourself vulnerable. You're bringing something that is deep inside of you out into the open, your voice. Mm. I remember in London, we, we initially started up a South London choir, which has since then joined with the North London choir. And when I started up the South London choir, I had one choir member who came and would just sit on the outside, not even sit in the choir circle and just sit and watch. And it took a, f- a few weeks for him to come and actually join us and start singing with us. And even then he's very withdrawn. Um, fast forward a couple of years and we were performing, at the VNA did a, um, a Bowie, a Bowie, sorry, retrospective. Mm-hmm. And um, we were invited to sing some Bowie hits. And this guy actually has got a voice that, that, that sounds very much like David Bowie. Um, and he sang solo on stage in the VNA Museum um, to Heroes. And, uh, and mm-hmm. as he sang during the piece, you know, he put so much passion in it. And people, he got um, a standing ovation. And what that does to you, deep down inside of you when you've got a couple of hundred people standing up applauding you giving you a standing ovation that lacking confidence can be such uh, well it can stop people leaving their their front doors let alone when you walk into a job of interview but if you've had a couple of hundred couple of thousand people on their feet applauding you you've suddenly got a load more confidence when you walk into that job interview next week yeah Um, and there's something in there about joy as well isn't there that connects to to confidence and self-esteem absolutely yeah so in fact I've just rolled my confidence and congratulations into into the same (laughs) one so I think they they very much they very much run together um, as people get that self-esteem and absolutely a joyful expression of themselves and the last C, so we've got connection, confidence, congratulations, and catharsis was the other one. I found in Choir With No Name that there is, there's just never timid singing. Um, <laughs> and often as, as a choir leader, you're in a space and you have to really get people to sing uh, and to, you kind of say, come on, everyone sing out. And there's various tools you can do to, to get that. But I've never had to do that with Choir With No Name. I've always found that the singing's been so passionate. And I came to the conclusion that what was going on was that people were coming in with all the stresses and pains and addictions and, and of the week and just singing and singing and singing so hard. And then at the end of the evening, leaving with a kind of lightness and a happiness and a, and, and jokiness, um, almost as if they've had weights lifted from shoulders. And certainly that's my experience as well, doing it. Uh, I come with the same stuff. And I think there's catharsis going on as we sing, as we make music. Um, and that has, has often been the case, particularly with people turning to music like heavy metal or Yes. <laughs> I'm a member of a community oh. choir and we've done um for Christmas um we did White Stripes Seven Nation Army yeah. um, it, it was the most cathartic song I think we'd all it because it's quite aggressive and mm. we all kind of thought oh this is unusual you know when the choir leader introduced it but actually 
it was great for that catharsis. But I think any any song you sing is uh, brings that out, doesn't it? Yeah. So definitely heavy metal and rock. But uh, and you've you've written a song actually about it, haven't you? Thank you. Yeah. I amidst all this community music work, I've also been writing songs over the years and, and performing them. And I love to work as a singer songwriter. And it also doing that gives me helps me feel what my choir members feel you know that kind of vulnerability um that if i'm asking them to to be vulnerable to to do stuff that scares them to stand up on stage and and, and perform it really helps if i'm doing it myself and i've got my own avenue of performing so i've been doing that performing with band and just this last couple of years i've been in the studio recording an album called back into life with the idea that I was just released it in November last year, hoping that that sort of signaled back into life after the pandemic. So yeah. it seems to be taking nice. a little bit longer, um, but it's also got a sense. It's a sort of look back into my life, but also it's got sort of very strong, positive messages calling us to take hold of the stuff we find important in life and to run full tilt into life. And nice. uh, there's a song on it called Sing It Out, and it is based on this idea of catharsis that every choir leader, every pop star sort of says to their audience, <laughs> come on, everybody, sing it out. But actually, this idea of sing it out, the chorus goes, sing it out of your system, sing it out of your memory, sing it out of your body, sing it out of your history, sing it out of your bloodstream, sing it out of your yesterday, sing it out when you can't sing, sing it out, sing it anyway, just sing oh, it out. Lovely. Yeah. Very so expressive. it's all of, yeah. Oh, thank you. So <laughs> it is all about that sense of coming together and just singing for your life. It's it's my reflections of being part of the choir. The the verse opens with this sort of quite sparse Billy Jean kind of groove. There's and it talks about somebody walking into a, a choir rehearsal for the first time and how they might feel on and me kind of thinking, well, what brought them here this evening? And then the pre-chorus, we go into this sort of wonderland. I don't know if you know Rufus Wainwright at all and his music. I do, yeah. He always has this, he sort of transports me into this really sort of beautiful wonderland of music. And so that was kind of the idea behind that pre-chorus is it takes us suddenly onto a stage and the lights and we're in this wonderland. And then you've got, I've given you the words to the chorus. It's, sort of, it's got this sort of work song, repetitive, stompy theme. Just sing it out. So that's that song. I bet the <laughs> choir that, yeah. are proud. Are they, are they yeah, on it they loved all? it. They loved it. Um, they're not on it. I have got a desire to record a music video involving them singing bits of it as well. When I was, just, when I was promoting that single, I did get them to, to do a, a version of the chorus for me. And Lovely. They loved it. It was really fun. And I got wow. a load of them along to my album launch gig and they all just totally went for it um, oh, in that chorus i loved it maybe that could be a song used by other choirs across the country get in touch <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah yeah and then the incredible women choir are you still with them like that sounds really interesting and in addressing something that's sort of often a group of people who who aren't really supportive um very much yeah i finished working with them just literally i had decided to stop working with them handed it over to somebody else just before the pandemic started oh, and I've been okay. with them for about two and a half years yeah 
but I, I had moved. It was pretty much a whole day traveling for the rehearsal. Oh, wow. um, so I decided to, that that had run its course for me. Uh, but we'd had a, an amazing time and it was set up by, in conjunction with a charity called Pause, which um, works with women who have had children taken into care and it helps them press pause on various cycles in their life that weren't very positive. And yes, they wanted to see what it'd be like to run a choir as a, uh, to do all the things that we've talked about um, a support place for them and it was yeah it was amazing experience and for the last year or so we ran it out of an amazing women's hub in Peckham which was an incredible resource and I was I was the only man allowed in the women's hub I felt very honored honorary woman for the day <laughs> It was amazing, really, just to see what those women were going through. And again, real cathartic singing. We loved singing I Will Survive every week, which I'd oh. always thought was like a cheesy disco hit that mm. you kind of, sort of dancing around handbags type thing. But then you actually, if you read those words, they're all about escaping an abusive relationship and running on to the future with a sense that there is hope and that you can survive. And suddenly that kind of cheesy disco hit was like, oh my goodness, this is about a woman setting up new boundaries in her life and making really positive decisions for her future. And it became a bit of an anthem for us and as well as lean on me and things like that. And people, again, left the, the singing sessions just sort of dancing and we put on a concert at the end of our first year. There were tears and it was just one of the most joyous times in my life. I think amazing. I say that after every project. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's amazing work, isn't it? And, and very rewarding, I can imagine. Um, I'm always interested in the kind of um, from a communications and marketing angle or more from a relationships angle, I suppose, is, you know, did it take long to build the choir, particularly with those women who may be feeling mistrustful with agencies and things like that? Yeah, that is such a good question. And yes, it was those first few weeks, even months were very slow and quite difficult. I tell you what was really, really helpful. Some I had three women from the choir with no name who understood choir they got it they came in as peer mentors oh, um, and they came great. and helped me and I, I approached them and said would you come I'm set I'm being I've been asked to, to be involved with this choir I wonder whether you would come and help me and they were brilliant because they came and they were used to just singing it out you know come and doing their thing they didn't with no inhibitions and so they came and set the bar and that was so helpful and I was so grateful to them for that. And that's a really good idea, I guess, is to bring in people who've been in the choir as participants and have maybe experienced similar challenges, parallel challenges, whatever. But it's quite difficult, I imagine, as a choir leader, sort of going in, for example, to a women's refuge and saying, come along, join the choir. Because, <laughs> you know, exactly. different background, different accent, different yeah. gender and everything. And they're Absolutely probably looking different everything. Up. Yeah, that peer mentoring idea is really nice. So did they stay throughout the choir? They did. Oh, yeah. Amazing. Absolutely. That's brilliant. Yeah. So I wanted to sort of go on to a, a bit of a big question, I guess. So a lot of the listeners are, well, people like you who who are passionate about music and its value in, in all our lives, particularly for people who may not have opportunities to make music or may not have other opportunities in their lives. And so I guess we all know the importance of music to people, society and the world. It feels to all of us like there's always potential for music to be supported so much more. And I guess that means 
being helped by people like national policymakers, people in local authorities, even in things like the work workplaces and other environments. So the big question, and it's a very open question, is if you could do one thing to make music a more central part of our lives and our society, what would it be and where would you start? And as I'm saying that, I'm thinking one thing seems a bit unfair. So take that wherever you want to take that. I have, I mean, I've got primary school age children and I have been work, involved in projects in primary schools for 15, 20 years. And I want to know where all the music's gone. Mm. I'm just, I mean, there are some schools that I've gone into which are just brilliant and they've got amazing teachers there, heads of music, specific music teachers and facilities and doing incredible jobs but so many I had one person say oh we're doing music this term and history next term it's like Mm. what you mean Mm. you're going to have a whole term without music and certainly when I was growing up it was just there all the time music was part of the syllabus and so I would go for just a really basic thing that I would love to see in primary schools all schools really secondary as well is, is a choir, something that's so accessible, but just regular singing, whether it's a choir or even in assembly, that they would be singing, 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 and maybe have a specific singing assembly. Many, many schools do this, but it feels like it's dropping out of quite a few schools that mm. I've been involved in. The best way to learn anything in any subject is to sing it, to find a catchy song. And then singing is like, glue for the memory as all advertisers know so just harness the power of it in learning and just for the well-being and exposure to music that will be the main thing that's a great really powerful really simple suggestion and um, there's been a campaign for acquiring every care home and that's why you were saying that I was thinking acquiring every primary school would be a good campaign to get people around wouldn't it yes I love the idea of choirs and care homes as well yeah, absolutely. Oh, Sam, it's been really great to talk to you. Um, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. And I hope we can do this again and I can hear more about how the album's gone and, and how everything else is going with the choirs you run. So if you want to read more about Sam and hear his first album, Back Into Life, which has just been released. When was it, Sam? Was it last month? November. In, in November, yeah. November. Um, and it includes a song about the choir with no name. I'll share the links as usual in the show notes. And thanks very much again, Sam. Thank you very much, Anita, for having me. Thanks for listening, everybody. That's the end of our show this time. Thank you for listening to the Music for Education and Wellbeing podcast. And make sure to subscribe so that you get to hear about future episodes. If you'd like to be on the podcast or you'd like to know more about me and how I help music and creative organisations through communications, then visit writing-services.co.uk and get in touch. Thanks for listening and have a great week.